Hey, you've got Shay here from the marketing department at Boston General Hospital. Today's episode of Over the Counter, I'm talking to Sue Hoff, nurse practitioner who recently started at Boston General Hospital. Her specialty is behavioral health. She talks to us today about some of the small habits that you can do to improve mental health during holidays, but also implement in your everyday life. So give this episode a quick listen. It's about 20 minutes long if you're interested in learning more about that and Sue's practice. Here we go. Well, my name is Susan Hoff. The bulk of my nursing career has been in OB and at Box Street General Hospital. I've worked in about every department that you could work in as an RN. I've worked in surgery. I've done management. ER, um, patient care unit. I've done pretty much it all. And so a couple of years ago, I decided I want to go back to school and get my master's. So I looked at the different options of what you can do with your master's and the psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner route seemed like it fit me the best. So I did a two-year program that I went year-round, did it all online, and so then I ended up with my psychiatric nurse practitioner. I'm sorry, it's psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. So it is PMHNP, but when I signed my name, it's just the nurse practitioner is what it is. So nurse practitioners have a lot of different specialties that they can have from family practice, pediatrics, geriatrics, and so... My focus is just on the mental health piece, so I can just do the mental health medications. So within that entails that I can do diagnosis for mental health. Um, A lot of times what people come to me with is like behavioral um, and mental health kind of concerns that they have. Sometimes it can be something that has suddenly came about, having some anxiety, having some delusions and other times it's more of a long-term thing like I have some people that have been seeing a psychiatrist in some form or a nurse practitioner since they were teens and they're in their 40s or 50s so there's some range of differences there the other thing is there is psychologist and psychologist is a advanced degree and they do more of clinical research and they can do some testing they also can do therapy Um, So the difference between psychiatry is psychiatry is more medical based. So a psychiatrist goes to medical school and has that medical piece behind them. Gotcha. So with me, my main focus here is prescribing medications and that diagnosis and coming up with some different treatment options to do the best, what we can figure out for the best relief of symptoms for patients and kind of go from there. Right. So not therapy. No, I'm not a therapist, but some of what I do with patients, there's a little bit of therapy that's sprinkled in there just because a normal conversation that you have within mental health, but it's not coined as therapy. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So what kind of ignited your interest in mental health? Can you? I wish I had a fabulous (laughs) story that was like, yeah, this happened. Um, I think probably what kind of leaned me a little bit more towards that is there just wasn't a lot of the services in this area for that. And then um, Christine Carell that's in town that does is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. 
I kind of picked her brain a couple different times to kind of see what her role looked like and it just fit. I wish I wish I had like this fabulous wonderful story but I really don't but, and I'm I'm glad that I ended up doing that because I was kind of nervous when I graduated because I'm like did I do the right thing but then since I've been practicing I love what I do. I, I have like the coolest job and it was really interesting when I was in school too just different people you tell me you're going into psych and you just get this look like oh what are you doing but mm -hmm. it's kind of the best kept secret and my <laughs> job is awesome I I love what I do that's awesome yeah and yeah. it's still a good story yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you saw a need and you wanted to help our community out and yeah. stay in the area and yeah so yeah that, I think that's a great story yeah <laughs> can you talk a little bit about the importance of mental health during the holidays and if you have any kind of quick tips for people that they could yeah. um, just remind themselves during like it can often be a stressful time during the holidays if you have any um, yeah. quick tips to share. Um, I know with a lot of the patients that I do see the holidays can be kind of hard because a lot of times there's kind of some trauma associated with that time of the year and also there's kind of a letdown with holidays too because you have a certain expectation that things are going to work out a certain way and they don't necessarily work out the way that you think that they're going to work out. So a lot of that can be figuring out some different coping mechanisms and also being okay with saying no, that that's not going to work for me. Or if you have certain family members that cause you a high level of stress being like, okay, I'm going to give them an hour of my time and it's okay for me to leave mm -hmm. and get away from this. Um, one of the main things that I would say with that I was thinking about with anxiety is some outside factors that can cause anxiety is if you haven't ate recently, that can cause anxiety. If you've had a sugary snack and that crash down can cause anxiety. Caffeine is kind of a balancing act. If you're not having your normal level of caffeine, that can cause anxiety or too much caffeine. And sometimes what we think is our okay level of caffeine is not. Mm. Um, the next thing, if you're not getting enough sleep, that can be huge. If you're not getting enough sleep, kind of your nerves are more on the edge of things and you're just a little bit more irritable. Energy levels low, focus and concentration. Not having enough sleep affects pretty much everything in your life. Um, the next thing is too much social media, too much news can rev up that anxiety and alcohol can cause anxiety. So some of those things you probably have already had when you've started to have that increase in anxiety. So just doing that mental checklist, have I ate? What have I ate? What's my caffeine level been? If your caffeine level is too high, not much that you can do about it at that time, but just being aware of, okay, I can have two cups of coffee. I can't have that third cup of coffee and yeah. just kind of being a little bit more in tune to that. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing with sleep, sometimes if you can just kind of get away from the situation, rest your eyes, do some deep breathing, just trying to kind of relax yourself, that can kind of reset that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, the social media and news piece, sometimes we like to be aware of what's going on in the world. But setting some limits of being like, okay, I can right. give that 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And just being aware of, okay, what have I been doing recently? And is that causing those stressors? And then alcohol too, because it's a season and a lot of people are drinking. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we don't realize those factors that are causing us that anxiety. Um, and then just kind of being aware of what causing the, causes us stress and what doesn't cause us stress. Sometimes just writing things down and kind of looking back at that 
because a lot of times we're trying to push ourselves in a puzzle piece where we don't belong and you got to kind of pull it back and look at it. The next thing is exercise is absolutely huge. There's been a lot of research that strength training is almost equal to antidepressants. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So just finding some kind of exercise routine. Um, if you're a person that doesn't really exercise very much, sometimes just walking around the block and getting yourself away from those stressors in the world and figuring out what you like exercise. If you like to go to the gym, go to the gym, get a trainer, figure that out. Mm -hmm. If that's not something that you like, figure out what you like. Cause if you figure out what you like, you're going to stick with it yeah. a lot heavier and then just paying attention to what you eat, too. It's really easy to get into the junk food, eat the cruddy foods, do the fast food, all that. Mm -hmm. Adding fruits and vegetables and the healthier foods can be very beneficial for mental health. You're also feeding your whole body, mm -hmm. too, which is very beneficial. The next thing is sleep. And I'll do a, just a little bit about sleep hygiene. So with sleep hygiene, just making sure that you aren't doing any daytime sleep, which can be hard because you're exhausted and you're just like, oh, just a little bit and I'll feel bad, feel better. But you get in a vicious cycle of doing that daytime napping. So every minute of daytime napping steals two minutes of nighttime sleep. And the nighttime sleep is so much more important. So if you're napping for an hour, that's stealing two hours of your nighttime sleep. Also getting some kind of physical activity is important too, because if you're just sitting around not really doing anything, once it comes to nighttime, your body's kind of like, I've been doing this all day. What's going on here? I'm not ready to go to sleep. Caffeine is kind of a balancing act too, because caffeine can stay in your body for about eight hours. So no caffeine, caffeinated beverages after about one in the afternoon. Um, the next thing is no heavy exercise, no heavy meals about two to three hours before you go to sleep, because that increases your core body temperature. And when you go to sleep, that goes down doesn't mean that you can't eat, you can't do light activity, like go for a walk or things like that in the evening, but just no heavy meals or heavy exercises. Next time is the bedtime the same time within an hour every night that changes, trains your brain that, hey, this is when we go to sleep. The brain is super lazy and does bad pathways that you don't want it to do. So sometimes <laughs> you just have to retrain it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing is having a bedtime routine that can include like taking a bath, a shower that can be relaxing. Epsom salts have magnesium in them, which can be helpful for sleep. So that can be a good thing to do. Turning your lights lower, having relaxing music on, not the time period that you're working on getting ready for the next day, doing your chores about an hour to an hour and a half before you're ready to go to bed, you wanna start that bedtime routine. The next thing is no screen time, so no computer, television, or your phone, about 30 minutes to an hour before you go to bed because that stimulates your brain and gets things revved up. Mm -hmm. The next thing is getting your bedroom set up for what will work for you for sleep, having your room nice and dark, no electronic devices, no street lights. The only thing you do in your bed is sleep you're not hanging out watching shows or anything like that because that trains your brain that hey this is where we go to sleep mm -hmm. sometimes helping you to lull to sleep can look like having like a noisemaker um, a fan some music that doesn't have any words on it can be beneficial to induce sleep and then it keeps you asleep too mm -hmm. the next thing is don't lay in your bed for greater than 30 minutes because that's training your brain that hey it's okay to lay in bed so if you're laying in bed for greater than 30 minutes, get up, go back to those activities that you were doing before you went to sleep. Don't turn on the bright lights. Don't turn on the television, computer, your phone. 
Um, don't do chores. Just have those relaxing activities. I did see one thing about having a chair by your bed and reading until you're sleepy. And then once you're sleepy, crawl right into bed. That can be Ooh, beneficial. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the next thing is getting up within an hour of the same time every morning because that resets the other side of your clock. So those can be some things, and it can just take a little bit of time. It's not going to be the first night that you try these different things. Sometimes it can take a little bit because mm -hmm. old habits take a little bit to break, but sleep is super-duper important yeah. for mental health for sure. And then those coping mechanisms and also having good relationships in your life and understanding that difference between bad relationships and good relationships in your life mm -hmm. and setting those limits. And it's okay to set limits of what is appropriate for you and not appropriate for you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Those yeah. are great tips. And I feel like um, small changes that are doable. Yes. Yes. Those some, some of those things that we can do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Don't like go over the edge and try to do everything perfect because life isn't perfect. Yeah. It's not a straight arrow. There's lots of ups and downs and curves and bends and mm -hmm. got to kind of figure out what works for you as an individual is super duper important. Mental health is not just a weakness in people. Um, the brain is an organ just like the heart, the lungs, and sometimes it needs some help with medications to function more properly. And it's not a bad thing to reach out and say, I need help. A lot of times I see it as your check engine light is on. Just like anything, if you have high blood pressure, that check engine light comes on, need to kind of reevaluate, see what's going on in your life. Um, sometimes a medication can just be a temporary thing. Sometimes it's a lifetime thing. It just depends on the individual and what kind of different symptoms you're having. Mm -hmm. um, the nice thing about with the medications is it can give your life back and it can give you that opportunity to go out and do the things that you want to do because it's not that people with mental health are lazy and it's just they don't have that oomph, they're depressed. They have other things going on that they just can't go out and do those things that they once did. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, if you can get them on medication, that opens up their life back to them, that they can become more physically active. They can go to the parties. They can go and back to the things that they once enjoyed that they're shying away from. Mm -hmm. So, and it's one of those things too, keeping an open conversation with things too that I do have some people that come and see me and we talk about some different thought processes on what we can do. And some of them like think it over for a little bit before we even do any medication. Some of them don't even do medication, which is fine because I want it to be a joint effort with things. I want to be on the same page. I want to figure out what works for the individual because we are all individuals and what works for one person does not work for another person. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's kind of the key, the individuality of figuring out what works for the individual person. For sure. Yeah, that's great. Can you also um, talk a little bit about, you mentioned during the perfect blend, how you kind of kind of peel back. Yes. And um, you mentioned something about how sometimes like your thyroid can affect like the chemistry. Yes, yes. Like Generally that. the first time that I see a patient, um, we kind of look and it's a pretty in-depth information just because what's happened to you through your whole life can help me to get an idea of what is going on now. 
Um, and one of the things that in psychiatry is you want to look and see if there's not something else that you can point the finger at. Um, so generally what the test that I do is a thyroid, because if it's your thyroid, I can give you medication to treat depression and it's not going to make a darn bit of good because your thyroid is where the problem is. Um, generally just the area that we're in because we don't get a lot of sunshine. Generally people's vitamin D is chronically low and that can affect depression too. So I usually do those two. A lot of times the people that I see haven't been to a provider routinely. So sometimes I'll do like a complete blood count, which is your hemoglobin hematocrit. And then I'll also do a metabolic panel just to make sure that we have a good idea of what's going on with things mm -hmm. and kind of go from there. So then we have a baseline and that kind of is the psychiatry piece that there's that medical piece just to make sure that there isn't something that we're missing. Um, the other thing is um, mental health is kind of like an onion. You can have multiple different symptoms that you have going on. And sometimes, for example, like depression or anxiety, you treat the depression and the anxiety and the lack of focus and concentration is associated with the, the depression and it goes away because you've gotten the depression treated. Sometimes you peel back those onions and the anxiety is not going away and that focus and concentration continues to be bad. So sometimes you gotta kinda treat some of those other things. I don't like to treat too many things at once just because it can kinda cloud the vision of what's really going on. So you kinda peel back the onion, kinda see what's going on there, peel it back a little bit more, see what's going on there. It's an ongoing process of figuring out what works best for the patient. And sometimes you gotta try a couple different medications and see what works and just keep that communication open. Yeah, awesome. And what kind of age range of people can make an appointment with you? Um, I want to say the youngest is eight, and then I don't have a top at the oldest, because I think, I think the oldest I've seen is 90s, I would say. I think that I honestly have seen like people through a variety of different ages. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I could kind of go back a little bit, too, about how my practice has gone. So my first year out of school, I went and worked at Regional West at their physician's clinic. My main thing was that I wanted to work with Dr. Michael, that it was a psychiatrist there that was amazing. And he ended up leaving in July. I started in March, but it was nice that I still could talk to him for that amount of time, seeing him in the hall, picking his brain. Um, I also was able to continue to be able to text him with patients that I had concerns about for about the next almost my first year of practice almost. So that was really beneficial. And then working within that practice was really beneficial because a lot of those patients were established. So I could kind of see what the trends were of what they would do medication wise. So I think it was a very good place to start with to get my basis. And then now I'm the only provider within the hospital that does this, but then I also have those resources that I still can kind of, if I'm kind of stumped about something, I still can kind of pick people's brains and be like, hey, what do you think about this? I've tried this, this, this. Traditionally, this isn't working, but what do you think are other options? So if anything, it's always kind of that working on the big picture. The other thing um, kind of have started to work with, and it's just kind of in the development stage, is working with Brian Shelmadine with his lifestyle medicine. He can, like, whereas diet and nutrition is super important within mental health, that I can refer 
patients to him that he can cover that piece, Mm -hmm. which can be so beneficial in the whole picture of a person. And that can kind of, because once they start feeling a little bit better, you're going to be wanting to, can be more motivated to throw in that piece of the exercise that is so important for long-term cares. And vice versa, right? Yes. He can um, refer patients to you as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that uh, we've done it a couple times and it's been pretty beneficial so far because it's very much whole person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is great. Yeah. I have one more question. You don't need referrals to see you, correct? No, no. You can just make an appointment. Yep. Call the clinic. Yep. Ask for Suha. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Anything else you'd like to add? Not that I can think of right now. I'm sure, like, once I go back to my office, I'll be like, oh, yes, but n- not anything that I can think of right now. Yeah. Well, we can come back and record it if we need to. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, I think we've basically covered all the basics. Yeah. And thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Sue for sharing that great information with us today. Um, hope you learned something and we'll be able to use that to help you be well. Remember that the brain is an organ just like the heart and the lungs. Sometimes it needs medication to function properly too. Keep an eye out for next month's episode and have a great day.